Chapter Two of the New Army in Training. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The New Army in Training by Rudyard Kipling. Chapter Two Iron into Steel. Cold Iron Will Cut Hot Iron. At the next halt, I fell into Scotland blocks and blocks of it a world of precise spoken thin-lipped men with keen eyes they gave me directions which led by friendly stages to the heart of another work of creation and a huge drill shed where the miniature rifles were busy few things are duller than morris tube practice in the shed unless it be judging triangles of error against blank walls i thought of the military policeman with a sore toe for these innocents were visibly enjoying both games. They sighted over the sandbags with the gravity of surveyors, while the instructors hurled knowledge at them like sling stones. Man, do you see your error? Step here, man, and I'll show ye. Teacher and taught glared at each other like theologians in full debate, for this is the Scots way of giving and getting knowledge at the miniature targets squad after squad rose from beside their deadly earnest instructors gathered up their target cards and whisperingly compared them five heads together under a window ay that was where i loosed too soon i misdoubt i took too much of the foresight not a word of hope and comfort in their achievements nothing but calvinistic self-criticism these men ran a little smaller than the north country folk down the road but in depth of chest girth of forearm biceps and neck measurement they were beautifully level and well up and the squads at bayonet practice had their balance drive and recovery already as the light failed one noticed the whites of their eyes turning toward their instructors it reminded one that there is always a touch of the cataran in the most docile scot even as the wolf persists in every dog and what about crime i demanded there was none they had not joined to play the fool occasionally a few unstable souls who have mistaken their vocation try to return to civil life by way of dishonourable discharge and think it funny to pile up offences the new army has no use for those people either and attends to them on what may be called democratic lines which is all the same as the old barrack-room court-martial nor does it suffer fools gladly there is no time to instruct them they go to other spheres there was or rather is a man who intends to join a certain battalion he joined at once scraped past the local doctor and was drafted into the corps only to be hove out for varicose veins he went back to his accommodating doctor repeated the process and was again rejected they are waiting for him now in his third incarnation both sides are equally determined and there was another scot who joined served a while and left as he might have left a pit or a factory somehow it occurred to him that explanations were required so he wrote to his commanding officer from his home address and asked him what he recommended him to do the c o to his infinite credit wrote back suppose you rejoin which the man did and no more said his punishment of course will come to him when he realizes what he has done 
if he does not then perish in his self-contempt he has a good conceit of himself he will make one first-rate non-commissioned officer with illustrations i had the luck to meet a sergeant-major who was the sergeant-major of one's dreams he had just had sure information that the kilts for his battalion were coming in a few days so after three months hard work life smiled upon him from kilts one naturally went on to the pipes the battalion had its pipes a very good set how did it get them well there was of course the duke they began with him and there was a scots lord concerned with the regiment and there was a letty of a certain clan connected with the battalion hence the pipes could anything be simpler or more logical and when the kilts came the men would be different creatures were they good men i asked yes very good was to mislead them said he old soldiers i suggested meanly enough rejoined privates of long ago ay there might have been a few such in the beginning but they'd be more useful in the special reserve battalions our boys are good boys but you'll understand they've to be handled just handled a little then a subaltern came in loaded with regimental forms and visibly leaning on the sergeant-major who explained clarified and referred them on the proper quarters does the work come back to you i asked for he has been long in pleasant civil employ ah it does it just does that and he addressed the fluttering papers lists and notes with the certainty of an old golfer on a well-known green squads were at bayonet practice in the square they liked bayonet practice especially after looking at pictures in the illustrated dailies a new draft was being introduced to its rifles the rest were getting ready for evening parade they were all in khaki so one could see how they had come on in the last ten weeks it was a result the meekest might have been proud of but the new army does not cultivate useless emotions their officers and their instructors worked over them patiently and coldly and repeatedly with their souls in the job and with their soul mind and body in the same job the men took up soaked up the instruction and that seems to be the note of the new army what the army does and thinks they have joined for good reason for that reason they sleep uncomplainingly double thick on barrack floors or lie like herrings in the tents and sing hymns or other things when they are flooded out they walk and dig half the day or all the night as required they wear though they will not eat anything that is issued to them they make themselves an organized and kindly life out of a few acres of dirt and a little canvas they keep their edge and anneal their discipline under conditions that would depress a fox terrier and disorganize a champion football team they ask nothing in return save work and equipment and being what they are they thoroughly and unfeignedly enjoy what they are doing and they purpose to do much more but they also think they think it vile that so many unmarried young men who are not likely to be affected by government allowances should be so shy about sharing their life they discuss these young men and their womenfolk by name and imagine rude punishments for them suited to their known characters they discuss too their elders who in time past warned them of the sin of soldiering 
these men who live honorably and simply under the triple vow of obedience temperance and poverty recall not with envy the sort of life which well-kept moralists lead in the unpicketed unsentried towns and it galls them that such folk should continue in comfort and volubility at the expense of good men's lives or should profit greasily at the end of it all they stare hard even in their blue slops at white-collared bowler-hatted young men who by the way are just learning to drop their eyes under that gaze in the third-class railway carriages they hint that they would like explanations from the casual nut and they explain to him wherein his explanations are unconvincing and when they are home on leave the slack-jawed son of the local shopkeeper and the rising nephew of the big banker and the dumb but cunning carter's lad receive instruction or encouragement suited to their needs and to the nations the older men and the officers will tell you that if the allowances are made more liberal we shall get all the men we want but the younger men of the new army do not worry about allowances or for that matter make them there is a gulf already opening between those who have joined and those who have not but we shall not know the width and the depth of that gulf till the war is over the wise youth is he who jumps it now and lands in safety among the trained and armed men end of chapter two iron into steel